。哦。Welcome to another edition of the Jones Miller Knowledge Hub podcast. Um, I'm really excited today. We've not only got Pete joining me, um, but also Nicola Ross Martin as well. Um, and um, we thought of this topic largely because of all of the, the press that kind of came around at the start of the year. So um, we thought it would be a useful topic to discuss HMRC information powers. What can they get? Um, what's all the business about? side hustles um and what is actually the the truth versus what the media seem to have um put a bit of a spin on so um today we're talking about hmrc's information powers um it's really good on the um, platform that we use for this podcast that we can um encourage collaboration so anyone leaving we've already seen a couple of comments coming in so anyone joining us wanting to ask questions make comments please feel free to do so um and obviously we can um we can discuss those as we go along um for those of you um who require cpd certificates to record um your cpd throughout the year obviously under icaw's new rules um you will find a qr code at the end of of the podcast um, and we'll also have a link in the description um which will enable you to fill out a short questionnaire and get you a cpd certificate um so let me introduce our speakers um i'll i'll introduce myself i'm nick wright director jerems miller specialist tax so i deal with um corporate transactions in the main employment related securities and share schemes um uh, i've got alongside me pete miller um director and head of corporate tax of jerems miller um Hi. now to be honest, I almost feel like what's the point of introducing Pete and Nicola because there's every, almost all of you will know them, and if you don't know them, you um, uh, you I'm sure will know some of the work that they've done. So um, Pete forty um, spent time in the inland revenue as it was back then. Joined a number of big four firms before um, becoming um, or starting the Miller Partnership back in 2011, and then. Pete and the Jerome's corporate tax team joined forces in April of 22. It's almost two years now, Pete. Mm. Um, so Pete chairs the Spiazzo MB Technical Committee. I mean, how many committees do you want me to list, really? Oversight, um, the Oversight Committee, Education Committee. Um, Nicola, I'm really excited we've got Nicola today as well. Um, 
as I say, I'm sure most of you know Nicola. If you don't, I'm almost certain you will have come across rossmartin.co.uk um, because I think I've come, I've, I've at least used or come across that through various research that I've been doing pretty much since the start of my career. Um, it's an excellent online research. Um, and Nicola also has, um, as part of her online offering, um, the virtual tax partner. Um, and if you want to see more about that, go to vtaxp.co.uk. Um, alongside Nicola's, uh, Nicola, you've been doing that for quite a long time now, haven't you? I'm trying to remember actually when you, um, we've talked about when you actually started Ross Martin. Yeah. Uh, well, I launched, launched it in 2010, actually. Um, so around the same time Pete actually started his. Yeah. I remember launch. Nicola and I having some conversations when I first got going about stuff, how to start a business and how scary it is and all of that stuff. And yet we both <laughs> came through relatively unscathed. Yes. I think <laughs> unscathed might be an understatement, but yes. Um, <laughs> Nicola, as well as all, all of that, also Vice President of the CEOT, um, and yeah. again, member of uh, a number of committees, um, equality, diversity and inclusion. We talked about that a, a few days ago, didn't we, Nicola? Um, uh, and uh, along with uh, CEOT's membership and branches committee. Uh, so... Yeah, I mean, long long story short, they know exactly what they're talking about. <laughs> so yeah, let's let's dive right in. HMRC information powers. Um, I, I thought we'd start off with kind of a bit a bit of the background. Uh, so HMRC, obviously, in the digital age, most government um, most government institutions are able to obtain quite a lot of information and. Uh, obviously, there's there's various um, legislation um, backing that up. So the first thing I thought we would just touch on is HMRC Connect. This was this is effectively um, a supercomputer that was launched back in 2010, and I think it cost them something like 100 million pounds. Um, now. I don't know the ins and outs, and I'm not really sure they've advertised too much about the ins and outs of what a HMRC Connect actually is, other than it clearly can identify an awful lot of it data from taxpayers, um, and it can review patterns, fluctuations. Um, so I think when I first heard about HMRC Connect, it was very much a, you know, there's, there's resources in a lot of places. Um, and HMRC Connect can effectively analyze. So if we've got a taxpayer's tax return, um, it can it can flag anything to HMRC that might look particularly unusual. Um, that's kind of the basics of HMRC Connect. Um, so it's interesting though to reflect because I started as a as a tax inspector in 1988. Um, for many of you listening or watching, you won't appreciate there used to be a time called 1988. But, um, that, you know, in those days, you'd pick up a set of accounts and depending on the industry, you'd have an idea of what the ratio of debtors to creditors should be. Or if it was taxi drivers, the turnover as a multiple of the amount spent on fuel and things like that. And that was about as sophisticated as it got in, in, in sort of identifying anomalous results in business that might make you think there was something missing and and mm. now we've got, well, I'm, I'm sure it's been hugely improved in the what 14 years you say nick since um yep. since they launched connect um 
I mean, in some ways, if I were were, were still a, a, an HMRC or were an HMRC uh, person in, in this area of work, I would be hugely excited about the potential for something like this, the, the ability to use the advances in, in, in data handling and data an, uh, analytics to be able to pick out almost unerringly yeah. the people who really haven't been declaring their full income. It's interesting because you kind of think these days is so much different to even when it was launched. So when it was launched, obviously the amount of information that could probably go into that must have been absolutely monumental. But how, how does it actually analyse that? to kind of get to a point where oh it looks like this taxpayer's forgotten to disclose a property that they disposed of um but now we've got all the ai and everything yeah and if you take it to its logical extent if it's putting together all all the other various associated or, or uh, all the other various available sources of information and i don't know how much it does this but you can imagine now something we used to have to do manually and and, and you'd only ever get it by luck but if you were able to search for example the land registry and see how many properties are named are, are registered in the name of Nick Wright of you know your address as it were Nick, mm. um, uh, and then they'd say well that's interesting because he's not showing any rental income and and it's really simplistic, but if you didn't have a computerized system, there's no way we would have known that unless we came across a land registry um, you know entry purely by accident. Yeah, and I think it it kind of goes hand in hand though, doesn't it? Because the the more complex people's affairs become so so many people are now easily able to access things like overseas investments and all of this because mm. of the digital age then um it kind of becomes even more and more complex on both sides really doesn't it well um, i think that's right and i guess there's also the whole big brother feel to it all i mean i i, I there's a little bit of me that says big brother okay but you know if you're not hiding anything you've got nothing to worry about but of course that implies a degree of trust in the authorities concerned mm -hmm. whether it's the police or hmrc or whatever that i'm not sure i have and i know many people mm. do not have um and that's not trying to talk down hmrc but you know all of our authorities are manned forgive the sexist word but it is the right <laughs> word to use by individual human beings who are more or less you know good or bad or whatever mm. I mean, what do you think Nikki? sorry you talk, yeah um I was, I was just going to say actually that obviously with you know all, all these days all you need to do is write a program write the right algorithms and, and everything will search for you i mean people really aware of the insurance industry and the sort of software that they're developing and they're running to risk assess people. Mm, yeah. Um, so they can just they can just scoop up every, you know, your social media posts. You know, if you post a picture of your latest car prang or driving too fast or, mm -hmm. or something like that, all that data can be taken in and and, and used against you in insurance risk assessment. So yeah. um, you know, yeah. we, so there's a lot there's a lot of data gathering that goes on in life anyway. Um, but yeah. um, I, I think in, in relation to HMRC's computer, obviously there's sort of one issue, which is um, you know the, uh, the the F word, which is is the Fujitsu word. <laughs> <That's right. Yeah. laughs> how, how good is this system? Um, it, you know, um, yeah. I, I, I think I think we do know from investigation data and the cases that we see that this HMRC has, but I. 
um, you know, when we take cases to tribunals and stuff, we often find that a lot of the data, the evidence that HMRC is presenting is actually in the form of notebooks and things. So there's, there's mm. manual intervention still, but I think having having big computer systems that can interrogate data from data sets from the, the land registry or either, mm. for, for Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting as well because obviously we talk about like what insurance firms can do it, is there a particularly more regulation for hmrc being a, a government body that is perhaps restrictive to them compared to what maybe the insurance guys can be a bit more well, I, I, I think, with the rules i don't know i mean the, the the rules and some of these rules were 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 aired quite exhaustively in the case that involved dave hartnett and whether he'd given away client information in that public interview where he mentioned one of the film producing tax scheme promoters, blah, blah, blah. Um, so the rules are quite tight for HMRC. But of course, what we're actually talking about is one government department talking to another government department. And, you know, I mean, in yeah. a way, until I joined the Inland Revenue, I automatically assumed, to the extent that I thought about it at all, that everything one person in government knew about me, everyone in government knew about me, or at least could find out easily. And I was quite surprised to find out that things like, you know, um, that the different different parts of government didn't talk to each other and that we couldn't easily just go on and say, how many cars has this person got registered to them? How many houses or buildings is this person showing an interest in on the land registry? And so on and so forth. Um, so, you know, I mean, if I go back to being a tax inspector in terms of catching people who genuinely have not been declaring their full income, then this is a good thing. Um, and if it is dealt with by by good people who are trying to do the right job in the right way, that's fine. I think the big brother aspect is because, as I say, we all know that this you know the organisation is manned by people, not by machines or robots. So, you know, there is always that concern. But in in the main, I, I think as members of the tax paying public, who are generally speaking all pay all of our taxes at the right time etc etc and that goes for you all of you listening and watching and all of your clients i think you know you you kind of have to say for every person who says what about the civil liberties aspect what about all of those people who are perhaps mm. not getting access to to appropriate medical care or a decent school or whatever because there is a shortfall in government funds partly caused by people not declaring their full income so you know, there's clearly both sides to the argument. Um, just just going back to, to Nicola's point about Fujitsu, of course, one of the interesting things that seems to have come out of the inquiry is a strong steer that whatever the circumstances, the computer must be right approach is one that we now need to be much more leery of. Mm. Mm, definitely. Um, Jer Jeremy's made a few interesting comments. Um, just to um, flag, flag those before we move on. Um, obviously, Horizon, um, that's a, a very big, or well, one of the biggest cases um, that we probably should touch on. Um, and obviously, wh where, do, wh where do we stand, you know, follow, following Horizon? Um, you know, how, how is that going to impact? Is, is that a one-off case, or are we, you know, does... Does something need to be done um, to to improve the trust element, I guess? Well, 
Yes, and I, I guess my initial feeling is not necessarily that it's one-off, but it's absolutely an extreme, an outlier, given what, you know, given that, that, that if all the other computer systems, either Fujitsu or anywhere else, was, it was, was putting into either public or private businesses for these purposes, you know, surely by now we'd have all been hearing about all sorts of others, not necessarily miscarriages of justice, but ridiculous scenarios like, you know, mm. Well, I can't, I can't think of any, but, you know, if they, they were getting wrong data or generating wrong information, then the end users would be noticing and saying this is not right. Um, yeah. but, but equally, these things are, again, designed and put together by humans in the main, at least fundamentally, even if there's some iterative um, artificial intelligence stuff going on later. So, um, you know, they're, they're probably not as bad as Horizon was in terms of both what was going on and, unfortunately, the outcome, which was purely human-mediated. Mm, uh, yeah. But, well, but I, go I was um, going to say, I think we, we, you've got to looking at, the, the what, you know, the proof in all these cases. And, one, of course, yeah. one of the problems with Horizon was that these postmasters were dealing with a lot of cash. And the post office yeah. was historically really worried about cash losses. And Horizon was meant mm. to stop that. And yeah. it is you versus, the, and it's you, you've got your cash. You've actually got a webcam on your till, right? You, it's really hard to prove that you're. That, you've got a really big problem then when, when sort of, you know, let's say HRC has put, done a business economics exercise, run some that thing generates. You know, and let, you've got the presumption of continuity where you found an error in one year and then you say, go, okay, we'll go back. Then you can, if you make they're careless, you can go back to six. Mm. Of course, you've got a problem there if that's wrong. But mm. in a lot of those cases, even at the tribunal, actually what happens is the taxpayer who's, who's appealing against whatever the assessment or something, actually doesn't really isn't able to come up with much because they've been dealing with cash and they just haven't got the controls in place to say i've got an error so actually yeah. in that case you could have a you could have hmlc's computer generating fictional results and <laughs> to be perfectly honest because the figures might be so big it might be really difficult to actually um mm. fine tune it and go and go actually no the calculation's wrong here you know one person's word about cash against the computer calculation and in some ways that argues about how we shouldn't really be able to go away from the human inter intervention bit i mean the cases that we always felt when i was a young inspector were um the more powerful cases is when you went in on an ordinary evening to a to a business or day to a business and bought something and then were able to prove that they hadn't recorded that sale or you know that that you know the place was absolutely full. The tills were ringing once every twenty seconds with with somebody making a purchase, and yet according to the records, there were there was barely one purchase every five minutes, kind of thing. Um, I mean, of course, I suppose we could end up in a point where all a point of sale technology is connected to the system, and essentially HMRC gets to pre-populate your 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 accounts with your your apparent turnover. For example, I mean, it really wouldn't surprise me if we're not even that far away. I mean, obviously, that's mm. not really an area I'm in, in, involved with in terms of but Surely there's point of sale systems out there that connect to accounting pieces of software to make, you know, 
that effectively pre pre-populate a business's accounts. Yeah, I mean, maybe somebody watching one of the accountants could could let us know yeah. if that's the case, because I know there's a fair few accountants out there who are already embracing technology, you know, uh, yeah. and, and you, you, I mean, what's that zero, the system where you can kind of scan your receipts and it automatically puts them I in think the most, most of them, yeah. and so I think they all probably do that now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, th I, think, I think there's lots of, there's a lot of things now. I mean, you, you know, you go to any, go to, I mean, well, if you, you go to... Uh, a well-known um, uh, type place, and um, you know, there's no sort of cash involved there at all, is it? You're you're doing everything yeah. via via a drug. Yeah. Um, you're paying at your table, or and a waitress or waitress comes there got an iPad. So and those systems, mm. those go straight in. Mm. So um, they're, they're they're quite hard to to fiddle. Um, well, they they're not that difficult to fiddle actually, are they? Because you just set up a <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but so it's not actually very far-fetched to then say, well, the next logical step is to feed that directly into HMRC to pre-populate yeah. your tax return as well, is it? Yeah. So, I, I think you we have that in. Um, is it? Is it? Is it? I can't remember. Is it Spain or Portugal has a system? Right. Where sales directly in, and I th and I think they have a. I can't remember where it was. It might be in Portugal. Where they Print you a receipt, and um, hmm. and I think at the receipt there's it a card drawer on it. And if you report, oh. <laughs> I think if you get your receipt, you're entered into a drawer to win a car. <laughs> as far as right. I know. And it was, it was encouraging people to to ask for a receipt because hmm. if they ask for a receipt, the business has to record it. Has to oh. record it. The and then I think that presumably the tax authority is running the raffle for the car. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, the idea. Mm. I can't imagine HMRC doing that. I, I, I remember when, out. well, right at the beginning of putting tax returns online and asking people to use online services, and we're now back in the what late nineties, maybe very early noughties. And I remember talking to some of the people who were on, you know, working on that program. Um, and, and, and then saying one of the difficulties is trying to persuade a government department, an organization with the, the weight of history behind it of, of, you know, the hundred and however many years, 150 to 200 years that had been around um, to actually say, look, just to be innovative and encourage people to use the system in the early days, let's give them a, a hundred pound discount off their tax bill. Yeah. Which I seem to remember that I mean it may not have been a hundred, it might have been fifty. Do do you remember Nicola? But there was yes, definitely I, a, I do. An incentive. Yeah, that seems mm. quite a long time ago, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We all knew it was going to become mandated, but yeah. but you know, the idea of a, a, a country like this saying you can, you know, we'll effectively use a retail technique of what's effectively a discount to persuade you to do something that we want you to do. Was was quite novel, and yeah. you know, once you're standing in the pub chatting about it with your colleagues, it seems like entirely sensible. But if you're trying to influence permanent secretaries and people of that ilk, it took a while. I mean, it, obviously they got the message yeah. through because it worked. I was going to say, yeah, no, well, you say it's novel. It feels like it still is novel. <laughs> All these years. Well, no, later. no, no. The, the incentive, though, the the, the discount. Yeah. But yeah. Um, hmm. I mean, obviously, we don't need it now, but I guess, you know, if there were another phase, if there was something like, we'll give you a 5% a, a discount on your VAT, um, if you link up your point of sale 
equipment yeah. to the central HMRC computer, you know, yeah. and you can yeah. set it all up so you can feed in the results of your stock taking and everything else. Mm. You know, yeah. I was thinking they could they could take it a bit further and, and sort of team up with business. So you get you get extra retail vouchers if you if you sign up yeah. with HMRC. You know, you get you yeah. get maybe a discount here. Uh, you know, I mean, it could be mm. rather quite a good commercial way. But I'm not saying I don't. I think that the powers that be wouldn't like this because of the element of fraud. A bit like the sort of coronavirus scheme. Yeah. You yeah. probably have some people piling mm. on, didn't you, to get extra vouchers. Uh, yes, every business yeah, would be fragmented into 27 um, companies so that you get your 100 quid discount for each of them. Yeah. All right, Nick, let's move on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think we've probably covered... I did want to talk about where do they get their information. I think we've covered a lot of it. I think, actually, there's there's a lot of, as we've said, government departments that they'll get this information from. So I think there's kind of two sides to it. There's the public information or the government departments, and then there's the private companies, which we've kind of touched on in terms of point of sales and things like that. Um, but I, I think the key message is there's a huge amount of data out there that HMRC has access to in terms of companies' house, um, DVLA in terms of cars. We've got, um, obviously, property ownership is... Um, um, there's the information is easily accessible to HMRC. So, um, but then it does go further. I'm sure I, I haven't been directly involved in an inquiry like this, but I have heard stories where HMRC inspectors will use things like web, uh, a company's website or social media to actually, you know, make a point of, um, what they might be doing. I think one of the stories was around, um, uh, around race cars and actually what was done um on the track and they they could they they brought out pictures from the company's website showing what what actually was happening on on the track because they'd been advertising it mm. um so i mean I'm, I'm imagining that's a bit harder to actually feed into something like the hmrc connect system but you know um a, an inspector trying to kind of prove himself might might see that as a nice little win so um mm yeah um it's in, it's interesting at just when you actually look at it how much information and um i mean i don't do uh, any personal tax returns and haven't done for quite some time but even when i was doing it we had the system with the digital tax account feeding in, in the back and information directly yeah. in our own country obviously we've got the common reporting standard as well um and what i mentioned very briefly earlier in terms of there's so much it's so much more complex and a lot of people's tax affairs are so much more complex by having um offshore accounts shares um so the the common reporting standard is now over 100 jurisdictions um which is yeah, quite incredible actually there's a, there's a hmrc manual that actually lists them all for anybody who actually wants to go and see that um so yeah the, there's there's a lot of information not only within our own country but that is being shared cross-border mm. so um yeah hmrc have got a huge amount but it's in, i mean the hundred million pound figure that i came across for hmrc connect i'm i think that was for setting it up but how much more investment must have gone into it to actually you know, mm. these algorithms 
connect AI to it and all the rest of it. And it's a big project. Yeah, it is a big project. I suspect that the returns <clears throat> are many multiples of the overall cost, however. And also the nice thing mm. about, from their perspective at least, about this system, in contrast to either recruiting or reallocating personnel into kind of compliance inquiry type roles is that the computer doesn't have to sleep, take holidays, eat, mm. et cetera, et cetera, or indeed be paid per <laughs> se. Um, yeah. So, you know, it, it, it can be chuntering away 24 hours a day, churning out information. All you need to do is recruit another 100 million tax inspectors to actually take that information and, and use it. I mean, um, you know, uh, Daniel, one of the people watching, has highlighted the fact there's probably more information that they can actually process or use, which may well be true. But I suppose it means that they, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit for them to go for, mm. the, the, those that look a little larger than some. I think you're being invaded, Nick. There's a cat coming in. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's an invasion, of course. <laughs> it, it, the problem is, it's a kitten. So you can't, you, like the, the other cat we've got just keeps himself to herself, but this one will, he's just mad. So I was trying to keep her out, but I could hear meowing and I thought, you know, it's probably just easy keeping it, letting well, you her in. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> side, side note there. Hey, hey. Um, yeah. So I, I, th I think the point is, yeah, there's, there's so much information. And I, I guess from HMRC's perspective, as Daniel says, that it's it's kind of keeping on top of it and being able to process it. That's half the battle mm. for them. But um, again, the the current technology and all of AI and you know, integrating that stuff, I I imagine they they must be doing okay. And actually, the the more the AI moves on, um, mm. better it is for from HMRC's perspective. I think. Yes, and and we have quantum yeah. computers to come. Yeah. I don't even know what, what you're talking about now. <laughs> oh, well, they're about a billion times more powerful than existing computers, as I understand it. Um, although the other side of that coin is people who say that quantum computers are a bit like nuclear fusion, because every time you ask, somebody says, well, it's it's about 20 years away, but always has been. <laughs> but, um, you know, I mean, the, the, the advances in quantum computing, which, which I, I don't operate on a binary level, so it becomes much, much more powerful. Mm. Um, is both scary and very exciting for, for those of us who yeah. find these things either scary or exciting. <laughs> I guess. I, mean, yeah. I, I think I think so much of computing is is still down to humans, though. You know, um, mm, my, yeah. my, my newest client, my newest and youngest client, um, is is you know a, a, a sort of data, you know straight out straight out um working for one of these big data places and um, where they train up they train up people um to mm. you know off into to analyze big data um mm. i was i was i couldn't believe they haven't actually automated that at this stage wouldn't you that with all the all the talk about chat stuff you'd think well hang on you just use a computer but it's still very interesting it's yeah. still human need for humans in there to be coded yeah. away um i mean so in a sense maybe that's not a bad thing necessarily with <laughs> the whole terminator aspect of it 
you know, yeah. <laughs> the machines yeah. taking over, you know, that there, there at least is some human element. And it's so I guess there's this human element going in and actually coding all of this. Mm. And there's human element coming out, certain HMRC's aspect of you know the inspectors having to actually analyze that data and and take an inquiry and or or a check forward. So yeah, kind of the so, middle yeah. bit that they're, they're focusing on, I think. Yeah, I, I looked. I looked up the figure, and the, um, the, the figure of HMRC's contract with with Fujitsu is a billion. So a I billion. think maybe the cost of this computer system being a hundred million is probably a bit old, and it's. I think know, that, yeah, I, th I think that was built up a lot now. I think. Yeah, That's probably the cost of actually building the building 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 building. or something. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah. So, shall we move on to kind of where? where the idea of this podcast was born and um yes. talk about sort of well we we can we can talk about the side hustles which was kind of what all the media hype was about um and and it's interesting the amount i saw and you just kind of felt i felt a little bit like shouting at the screen going what are you talking <laughs> about um because it's not only the, 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 these are you know quite mainstream news outlets actually you know having um, interviews with people basically saying there's a new tax and and uh, obviously that that kind of led to quite a lot of confusion and those of us who are actually in the profession thinking what nonsense are they spewing so um but you know for, for the people who are just you know not not in the tax profession but using ebay every now and again they must have suddenly thought i'm going to actually have to look at have I got what issues I've got here? Mm. Um, well, I think there was a degree of scaremongering. You're absolutely right. Mm. Those people, so those people who are trading on Amazon or Etsy or whatever it is, um, or even just on their own account, probably most of them are kind of accepting that they are carrying on some kind of trade and ought to pay some tax because they're doing it for a profit. People who are clearing out the house because they're about to downsize or, or you know, the, some member of the household is no longer around. So, you know, you want to get rid of unwanted material, as it were, and some of it's worth a few bobs, so you might as well sell it. Um, I mean, I think it is interesting because most of those people wouldn't have thought of themselves as carrying on any kind of a business that was potentially taxable. And then all of a sudden, somebody's come along and said, Here's something yeah. scary you want to think about, hmm. and it has precisely that effect. So, and, and and of course, it's the wrong effect in terms of what HMRC wanted because they want the traders to come out of the woodwork, the ones who have who are who are hiding away, as it were, and they really don't want, you know, little old grandmas clearing out the house and stuff um, to 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 start panicking and worrying about hmm. whether they need to pay tax. Yeah. I mean, there were some, there's quite a few comments I saw about the fact that you've got to pay tax on, on the prof, on the proceeds of what you've sold, which in itself is complete rubbish. You pay tax on profits. Mm. Um, and I, th I think that wipes out probably about 95% of people who actually use a platform like eBay. As yes. you say, Pete, they're just, you know, clearing out grandma's house or just selling your clothes that are out of season. If that's what you well, don't yeah. sell clothes out of season, I, Keep the same season for about ten years whilst it still fits, but you know. Yeah, but well, when um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sorry, but that's quite. Many people tell me that that's that's completely wrong, and I have to point out that the people telling me that have got more X chromosomes than I have, and those things (laughs) seem to matter to them much more. Um, But no, it's an absolutely valid point. I mean, I belong to a, a Facebook group relating to my local area, and every day there are adverts of people just not kind of adverts, adverts, but posts with people saying, "Look, I'm just getting rid of a few kids' toys." You know, these ones just take away that they're, they're not worth anything, but these were quite expensive. If anyone wants to give me a tenner for them, I'd be grateful. And as you say, if the thing costs 50 quid in the first place, there's no mm. profit anyway, ignoring whether there's actually a trading intention. Mm. So, yeah, exactly. Exactly um, that. So, it, I, I, I don't think that was well reported. Mm. And I also don't think it was well reported that um, actually, are you even trading in the first place? Which brings us on to the indicia of trading, of course. You know, that that, that just selling something doesn't mean you're trading. Yeah. Uh, this this was actually interesting because when I sent around a few kind of ideas before this podcast to you both of kind of where, where we should take the conversation, one of the main things I, talk, I, I put in there was badges of trade. Um, and I, I used the acronym FROGSPAWN. I thought that was just normal. But but you two have a completely different one. Uh, Yeah, well, mine was Mauritius. And I think part of it was because my tax tutor, my inland revenue tax tutor, had actually spent some time working on developing the income tax law in Mauritius back in the late 70s. And so he developed his acronym around Mauritius. uh, Because other people have come up with others as well. But effectively, what, what... uh, the badges of trade is not. Here's a few. Here's some conditions you meet. If you meet what, if you meet all of them, then you are trading. It's very much a. You kind of got to look at the situation as a whole. But mm. um, I always think of kind of the, the main badges. I would say are: Are you actually trying to make a profit? Yes. If yeah. you're not trying to make a profit, you're definitely not. I don't think trading really. Um, how frequently? I think frequency is an interesting one. Um, and actually, in my acronym, frog spawn frequency is repetition. So my, my maybe frog spawns not not that good because you mm. have to replace the obvious frequency with repetition. But how often I to have a sprinkler sprinkler out or whatever? Then are you is that mm. frequent enough? Um, what what are you actually? Uh, what's the? I'm just trying to think of them. Th- through my my acronym but um are you actually doing anything to convert um like stock into um adding any value to it to then sell it for a profit or are you um so so there's a lot of different um that badges if you like i think there's seven have i got on my list how many have i got i've got more than seven thank you (laughs) mauritius um I've got nine. Mine doesn't. Mine. Mine. Mine doesn't have any acronym. Mine is. So that wasn't really to break them down. Something new to say, Nicola. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I can start with profit motive, but, but this yeah. is mine's mine's version of it, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I, I I always say to people. I mean, not that I get the question terribly often, um, working in sort of corporate transactions as I do, but. Um, you know, when when people used to sometimes come and ask that sort of question, I mean, the first thing is, are you doing this to make a profit as such? Yeah. 
And if they're mm. saying, well, if I sold, if I sell them rather than throwing them away, I make a profit. I then have to kind of point out to this little preliminary bit, which is how did you get them? And if they like, these are things I bought for my children to play with or for myself and my husband to wear or something. And I'm just flogging them off because they're worth a bit and we're trying to clear out some cupboard space. Then it's like you didn't buy them to sell. So therefore, you know, or, or almost idiomatic, yeah. idiomatic, wrong word I'm looking for, not the word I'm looking for, but almost obviously you're not carrying on a trade or looking, you know, doing a, do they still have the phrase adventure in the nature of trade in the legislation? That was very much the phrase in it to 1988, but obviously it's all been updated since then. Yeah. So, I mean, because you sure mentioned... The frequency. The I know the phrase, but... I mean, you, yeah. you mentioned the frequency point, and of course there are the famous cases involving Norman Wisdom, the comedian, um, or at least one of them did, Wisdom and Chamberlain, about buying some silver bullion to hedge against a currency exchange um, position, and in effect it was held that because the silver bullion was only bought for the one purpose which was to eventually sell it and 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 you know effectively cover any any exchange losses um you know that therefore there was an adventure in the nature of trade regardless of the fact that it was a single transaction so by a similar token there was an interesting case reported by the first or yeah by the first tier tribunal recently of a gentleman who I think over a period of about five years had lived in three or four different houses. And, you know, I, because I, the tribunal found for him and said these houses were his, you know, he lived in these houses, albeit for a relatively short time in each case before moving them on at a big profit. And, and the tribunal actually held not only that it was not trading, regardless of the frequency, um, but because he'd actually lived in them, they were each his personal residence for, you know, with sufficient quality of residence, to use that phrase, that he actually mm. didn't pay capital gains tax either. And I remember looking at that and thinking, well, if I were back in the revenue, I would have strongly felt that this guy, who also had a background in construction, was clearly <laughs> doing this to flip houses at a profit, yeah. you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and I'm kind of surprised that, I, I mean, I, I wonder if the revenue might actually challenge that one, take it to the, the upper tribunal, even though the findings of factor against them. But it, it sort of illustrates the point that it looked very obviously like this guy was trading and yet a perfectly objective and well-informed tribunal decided mm. it wasn't, even though there was, you know, a degree of frequency you've acquired, you know, I presume they partly took the view that he didn't, acquire the assets simply to flip them that the, ex yeah. the reasons he gave in front of the tribunal were accepted um and that therefore the alterations modifications updating of the properties was kind of incidental to to living in them rather than to wanting to flip them yeah. but i thought that was really interesting yeah. although it's not quite a side hustle it's still very yeah. very similar well, I think it, that is a, that is a side hustle. I think I'd say if I'd say that is, you know, what is a what is a side hustle? It's sort of you know doing something you like to earn a bit of extra money. Yeah. So yeah. I think that probably would come in as quite a stable side hustle. But I, I I agree with you on that case. I think um, that's something to me. It was it was you know, because he was a builder. I think he got mm. it very very easily. But if you think yeah. about it, though, we talk we talk about the property ladder, don't we? So mm. we were expecting. To be climbing up a ladder, and I don't know how many runs the property ladder has. 
It could have like 12, 13 steps. <laughs> yes, yes. And to be fair, there was a time when I moved house something like three times in four years, you know, and, I did and that, there yeah. were good reasons for that, which I could back up. And well, I certainly did make a profit on selling each property. Mm. I get well, the, yeah, I did exactly the same. And now I've stayed put for quite a few years. But in that case, it was it all comes back to intention in the end, doesn't it? I, yeah, we bought yeah. a house with the intention of staying there. Something happened and we thought, oh, we should move. Um, but there was always that intention of permanence, I think. Is is that the phrase Ooh. for private residence? Um, and yeah, as, as the same as you, Pete. You, you make a profit, but the, the profit was, um, in fact, in, in reality, what, what does the profit do? Because it just provides you the equity to put into a the next house kind well, of thing i think that's right and it's a natural corollary of the state of the property market um you know i mean it is interesting that at a time of high inflation when um because you have to because of the way you have to value stock there was a time um in the 70s when you got some very unfair apparent profits in trading businesses like car dealers because in the time between acquiring the car into their showroom and perhaps selling it as much as six months later, it, it might have gone up in value by 20% or something because of inflation. And, you know, those profit, we, they, they actually had to bring in explicit tax rules to say you didn't get taxed on that notional profit yeah. um, for that very reason. So mm -hmm. in a sense, you know, we, we understand that the, the, the way in which you could kind of make a profit on something simply because it becomes more valuable over time um, is 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 not in is the opposite of an indicium of trading, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Yes, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, is it investing? Hmm. Yeah. Well, it depends. I mean, you know, I do I have some other properties, and they are to some extent an investment, whether whether for yeah. income or capital growth. Um, yeah. And and are dealt with accordingly on my tax returns, just to be absolutely clear to everybody watching. Um, especially if Mark, my accountant and tax advisor, is watching. I will sign the tax return tomorrow, I promise, Mark. <laughs> you're not waiting this low. You're you're one you're one of the people that um personal tax people hate waiting until Well, I'm normally January. Not. And normally my my return goes in by the end of October or something, but there were some complications and some information okay. I didn't and to be honest, I was working so hard with you lot. <laughs> absolutely, um, absolutely. <laughs> but I mean, if we come back to the overall point, I think the point in a sense is that a lot of what HMRC does in terms of its public pronouncements, its PR, if you like, um, is trying to, let's use the neutral word, nudge people into being compliant mm where yeah. they might not be, not necessarily through malice, but sometimes through ignorance. And I'm sure there are people who in a very small way are buying a little bit of stuff here and, you know, like buying blocks of wax and making beautiful candles. And they start off by giving them to friends and family. And then somebody says, you know what, you could pop these into the local arts, arts and crafts shop and, and they'll sell them for you and you get some money out of it. And before you know it, you're trading without realizing. So Absolutely yeah, not yeah. suggesting anyone's doing anything bad. But yeah. on the other hand, given that an awful lot of what is going on on some of these platforms is not 
really trading. I think, you know, maybe maybe this particular one was slightly ill thought out or maybe HMRC is saying, you know what? We'd actually rather have an awful lot of false positives and catch all the negatives as well, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes me think, well, a lot of eBay users, even if they're trading, um, they might not be, as a side hustle, it might not be a very big, I mean, we've obviously got the thousand self-employed. Um, uh, yes. What, yeah. Um, that one. <laughs> Limit. <laughs> Thanks. Well, that's all for personal allowances. If you if you are not working as such, and you just you know you do your arts and crafts and make a few bob out of it, even if it is technically trading, if you don't go above whatever it is, twelve and a half thousand. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when when we actually because what what I was just thinking about in my mind there is okay let's assume there are a lot of people who arguably when you apply the badges of trade could be on on balance said to be trading, um, mm. probably even then a, a lot of the the people caught by these digital platforms um, their profits might still not be enough for, to interest HMRC. No, um, absolutely. So um, I, I do wonder if they've – obviously there is all, all the media attention around it, but mm. for HMRC, presumably internally, and they're obviously never going to publish this, but they, they must have some sort of threshold to which they would say, okay, let's have a look at the digital platforms and let's have a look over, I don't know, 30,000's worth of proceeds or mm. something. Yeah. Well, if if – I go back to before I joined the Inland Revenue, but I had accepted the job offer and I, I was uh, I, I took advantage of an offer to go and spend a couple of hours with an actual tax inspector in the office in Birmingham, which I ended up working in. Um, and I remember the guy chatting away and saying things like, you know, he's got people doing investigations. And if in six months they manage to show that a business has not been paying enough tax and the guy gets, say, £20,000 out of it, um, that's good. If he spends another six months thinking there's a bit more and only gets another thousand pounds out of it, that's a waste of time compared to have taken on a new case. Mm. And picked up. You know, it's the 80 20 type rule, isn't it? You get 80% of the yeah. proceeds from 20% of the time, then don't push for the other 20% because you can do that again to someone else. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it, I mean, it's a commercial approach, isn't it? Which way yeah. is going to make the most money? Absolutely. Um, so I, want, I just want to mention there's a couple of Nikki. You actually did a uh, a post on your website about the side hustles, didn't you? Um, yes. Yeah. Is, is, is it possible to show the link on screen or? Uh, I can show the link. I was actually going to say we probably once we've published. Let me see if I how do I do this on yeah. this platform? I post it in a comment. Yeah, that's that, that's some, that did some examples. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I Oh, oh, you put it on the comments. That's really helpful. Excellent. Oh, there we go. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've been sort of looking at some side hustles mm. and, and tax, and I noticed that um, that you know, one of the was reported was that um, this, this sort of OECD, um, these OECD rules. So I think sort of, um, I, I, it looks to me as if people that had sort of been making a bit of fuss about um, you know, you know, using side hustle tax as a as clickbait, then have them sort of mm. probably look back and go, okay, what is there actually a new tax? <laughs> yeah. um, and and so what it's widely quoted that the the the, the, the side hustle tax is actually 
um, the OECD's new reporting rules that happened in, um, from the 1st of, 1st of January. And, um, you know, apparently these platforms will all have to do reports by by the 30th of, or by the 1st of January uh, 2025. Um, right. But this is all, uh, I've been sort of looking through the actual cases on looking at when, uh, you know, cases that come to tribunal or HMRC have prosecuted eBay traders. It's very HRC have been looking at eBay very closely since you know since at least two thousand eight. This whole thing that is only something that's going to come, in, you know, only something that yeah. came in the first of January is absolute. It's just such bad misinformation. Um, you know, clearly yeah. HMRC have been looking at these things for a very long yeah. time. Because I, I I remember I can't it it must have been quite early on in my career. Um, and thinking that there was some sort of reports about VAT and eBay traders mm. and whether whether you're you're reaching a threshold to need to be that registered and things. So um, yeah, and obviously with the tribunal cases, it's um, it's it's not something that HMRC has not been aware of. Which I mean, no. to be honest, I think we'd all be quite surprised if it's only now HMRC was starting to think, oh, maybe we should start <laughs> looking at people selling things on eBay. Mm. Yeah, as though nobody from MRC has ever bought anything off eBay or, <laughs> yeah. or whatever other platform. All of these platforms, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's. I think that's what really astounded me looking at all, all of these. And it's not just that, it, as, you, as you said, there were plenty of people doing things on social media for clickbait, but it, it, it seemed to go even further in terms of sort of some, some more mainstream outlets, actually. Um, yeah selling some misinformation here so um yeah it was a uh, quite a strange start to the year i thought but everyone mm. else probably missed it because they're doing personal tax returns but um, yeah yeah <laughs> well, I, so, I suppose i'm oh, sorry i was gonna say i suppose it's a sort of much else to report because parliament was still on holiday <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah. yeah what can we come up with yeah um so the and the other thing i did want to say and i don't normally um go out of my way to um praise hmrc but they did quite quickly react to some of this um kind of concern and they did make, have a few posts sort of saying that there is no new tax and that kind of thing um so fair enough i think they they reacted over the weekend type of thing um and and had some had something out even then if if you actually analyzed what they said um I, I thought even that if you if you want to get really technical is not quite accurate but at least they tried to kind of dispel the myths a little bit um and and, and make it clear that no, nothing was changing in the legislation particularly from from a tax perspective so um, yeah I did. Yeah. I have. No, I had. I did. I reported um, yesterday actually that HMRC have 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 got a new campaign on on for online traders, which was quite interesting. Which which I don't know if they. I mean, obviously they they bring they bring out campaigns and nudge letters all the time, don't they? Mm, yeah. But, yeah. The, but, the, but this the, this latest one's quite interesting, where they were looking at non-established taxable persons. So these these are people that who who set up from a serviced office, and then trade online, or typically trade online. So, so mm. they, they basically, you know, they look to all intensive purposes online as if they are a, a UK business, but they're actually not. And, um, and the reason they want to be look like the UK business is because they get the UK's VAT threshold. Whereas if you're offshore, um, you don't get the VAT threshold. So it means you yeah, have to buy absolutely. VAT. 
instantly. So um, I think that's oh, just, right. that, that mm. is a really interesting real tax that mm. comes on the side of that. But again, yeah. that's more. There's more fraud. Is this is this is companies from you know abroad or service office lock, which is completely different. And obviously, <laughs> from our perspective, HMRC arguably at least are in a position to say, oh, "Well, that's great. You know, we get some tax we wouldn't have otherwise got." It's the other countries that should be crying foul. Mm. Yeah. 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 Mm. Um, yeah. So. I mean, for anyone out there who has been doing these side hustles and now suddenly thinks, oh, actually, I probably am trading, um, what what do they do is the question. Um, obviously, they can register for self-assessment. What should they be doing in terms of reporting their income? Is it just this year? Should they look back and think, actually, I was trading for the last five years and I need to report that? Um, mm -hmm. I think that's probably the next step for a few of them, but I, do, I don't think there'll be much... I don't. I don't think out of this much will actually happen in terms of additional people needing to disclose if they haven't already been. I'm just wondering: has it raised any awareness for those people who probably were in ignorant bliss that they're not having to pay tax on? It's quite a serious well, we, venture that they've got. We, we've we've had a couple of queries on who've been it's either either nudged and, and mm. that they need to fess up and make a de declaration um, you know disclosure yeah. uh, ask us they say they say do we go back four years do we go back six or do we go back 20. i try and give them on the rules um yeah uh, so, so i think there is there there is and i think i mean i think the week somebody's saying i'm i'm selling off um you know some uh, i mean is is that is that trading selling off something else that you know um so so i mm -hmm. i i think actually you know there there probably are quite a few people who are are actually sort of you know doing a bit of navel gazing and and trying to make a decision about it um yeah i mean whether they can account for this you know whether they can actually work out how you account as a sole trader the this needs another podcast because it's but the, you know, all the different methods of accounting you've got there, simplified accounting, you know, cash basis, uh, and all that, and you know, and then yeah. then you've got the, the issue of things like stock. <laughs> There's all all sorts of complexities. So yeah, and especially for you know, if if you if you've not really been that hot on what you need to do from a tax perspective, are you going to have been that hot on record keeping of how much things originally cost versus what you sold them for? And, now all, all of that, I, I imagine any anybody that this does bring out of the woodwork probably doesn't have that. I mean, it's been a while since I used eBay, but I'm sure eBay information falls off after like six months or something, and you can't actually sort of see what you sold and how much you sold for. It was something like that. But you know, there's a period of time that actually you wouldn't be able to get this information off the eBay platform, for instance. Mm. So yeah, not really sure <laughs> how they're necessarily gonna be able to 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 do that or whether you kind of so I'm, I'm sure some might just say well i'll just start declaring it now kind of thing i don't know um but yeah i don't think ebay systems are necessarily set up for people to be thinking back for or six years or, or anything and, and that kind of time frame so 
Yeah, they, they probably keep quite a lot of data. But what I think what do you know what I think they need to do? They all need a little extra function. It could be a little box. You don't, they don't publish the box. It just it's just there for the seller, and you can just write mem a memo of the cost. <laughs> that would be so yeah. nice. <laughs> yes, that would be. Yeah. Uh, but because then, then, then people get would get confused by that, and they go, "Well, I inherited it. What was the cost?" You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, well, it's it's it is a probate value, yeah. obviously, but it's not it's an inheritance. You know, it's a, so, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there's 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 a lot there for for people to think about. But I think the the end message for everybody using these digital platforms is nothing's changed in the world. Mm. Tax. It's just um, if you, if you should have been paying tax on this, um, I think that brings us to three o'clock. So I, I think there's. Let me just double check. There's no no more comments that we just quickly mention, um, other than Pete having a conversation <laughs> in the comment section. Um, so yeah, it's. Uh, I hope hope people have found that useful. Um, we'll publish um, the recording of this um, in due course, and we'll also put some links. Um, certainly, there's a couple of um, uh, parts of Nikki's website, uh, the badges of trade, um, and and, and the um, the article we mentioned on um, on side hustles that was that. Um, that, that Nikki wrote. So um, we'll put those in the description as well, so people can um, can can link through to that. And uh, yeah, anyone needing a CPD, there's there's a, a short um, little questionnaire of some such to to enable you to have a CPD certificate at the end of this as well. So um, thank you very much, Nikki and Pete, for um, for, for talking talking us through that. And I hope everyone found that useful. Okay, and thank have you. a lovely weekend, everybody. Yeah. Mm.